Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allah. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, today, this is the last lesson in this subject about the call of God. And I'm going to finish this off today, round this up. And, uh, uh, you know, we started by talking about how God calls people, why God calls people, and uh, just generally about the calling of God. Then I talked about how we can de develop in our calling, develop when it comes to character, develop when it comes to developing in the Word of God, developing in faith, developing in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. Then I talked about uh, the different kinds of ministries. First, we talked about the, uh, the supportive ministries and uh, uh, those are, uh, you know, they are not the fivefold ministry gifts, but there are other ministry, uh, other gifts, uh, other ministries that are much re required in the church, and without them, the church wouldn't function. And those are gifts, uh, uh, you know, that um, everybody can uh, can partake of, and everybody can serve, everybody can be involved in. So we talked about those gifts and how important they are, and that even they need development and preparation uh, so that you can serve as a man or woman of God because they are not just uh, physical things that you do. Some might think that, well, you know, I serve in the cafeteria in the church, so, but, and that's not a spiritual thing. Yes, it is. Everything, listen, everything that you do for the Lord is significant. And so that is why there's a great reward in everything that we do for the Lord. And so those ministries, those gifts are important. And then I talked about the fivefold ministry gifts and we are winding that up, talking about the ministry of the teacher. And then tomorrow I'm going to start on another subject and I'm going to talk about Christian development. And I might change the name of the subject by tomorrow. I don't know. I'm still praying about it, but I'm going to start studying and preparing this uh, subject. And I'll talk about how to, uh, how to live your life. And I'm going to talk about both about spiritual and, and natural things about uh, God's plan and God's purposes for your life. And this has nothing to do with being in full-time ministry, but it's about life itself and, and, and how God desires that you do well in life and that doing well in life isn't just about money or position, but it is about living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Then I'm going to talk about how to have a good family life and and, 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 and have a good life when it comes to your profession, whatever profession, you know, your, your business or, or your work. And, and yeah, about relationships with friends and, uh, and uh, how, to, how to overcome bad heritage. And uh, that means that if you have received bad traits because you grew up in a family that was dysfunctional, how to overcome those things and how to how to overcome bad habits and things like that. So we're going to talk about, about life in general, uh, how to live the life, because I've noticed too many people who, who know the Bible, who understand faith, who even flow in the gifts of the Spirit. They can get people healed and all that. They see miracles and they, wanna, they know a lot about, um, you know, about spiritual things, but, but they have no... Uh, no fruit in their personal life. Their marriages are not working. Their personal lives are ridden with bad habits and, and their relationships with their children are not working. And, and, and God wants us to have a good, sound and balanced life, which is a testimony 
to his glory. So everybody can see us that we we are doing well in life because the hand of God is upon us. So I'm going to talk about those things. So we will start that tomorrow. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to teach, teach this subject to you about the call of God. This is a very important subject and I trust you have been blessed and and um, that you have grown through this and that you have learned some things. And not only have you learned, but you're able to pass these things on and teach others. So anyway, so we are going to talk about the last, uh, <coughs> sorry, the final elements <coughs> in the ministry of a teacher and in the fivefold ministry gifts. So uh, the next thing is, um, this is what I'm going to finish with, is uh, one of the important tasks of a teacher is to bring correction and to refute heresies. Now, you know, it's it's very nice and it's very invigorating and exhilarating and, 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 and it's, a, it's wonderful to be able to teach people truth about, uh, you know, about the power of God, about how to walk in victory and, and how to have power over sickness and demons and all that. But, but there are some things which are also necessary uh, and 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 uh, which are not as pleasant, and that is bringing correction and refuting heresies, because errors will always come. If we look to the history of the church, errors have always been there, and heresies have always popped up. And somebody has to stand up and teach the word and teach what the word says and refute these things. So First Timothy. Uh, chapter 1 verses 3 to 7 these are the words of the apostle Paul to Timothy he says I urged you when I went to Macedonia remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart from a good conscience and from sincere faith, from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So, you know, the first thing is that we see Paul telling Timothy, he says, uh, when I went to Macedonia, I told you, don't go anywhere, but remain in Ephesus. Why? Why would, should Timothy remain in Ephesus? So that he can tell some people that they do not teach any other doctrine. So, you know, um, we have to stay with the doctrine of the church. Uh, if, if we read in Acts chapter, uh, in, in the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, especially in chapter 2 when the Holy Ghost came, it says all the, the believers, I mean those the, those newly uh, uh, save people, you know, on the day of Pentecost, they received Jesus. Uh, and, you know, they were all new believers. They said they continued in the apostles' doctrine. They taught, the, they continue, continued in the apostles' doctrine. So we have to stay with the doctrines of the church and we have to pass them on to others. And the doctrines are, as I said, the core beliefs of our faith that we all believe in. And these are things that have to be taught, that have to be passed on. And uh, no one should be able to teach any other doctrine in the church because that would bring deception and that would lead people astray. 
and it would uh, it would corrupt and pervert our faith. So, uh, that, so he said that, there, and in fact, what was happening in Ephesus, there were some people who were teaching some other doctrine. Now, other doctrine can mean something totally different and saying, well, this is also from the Lord or adding some things to sound doctrine that these this is from the Lord. And I can give you examples of it. Years ago in Sweden, we had one doctrine that came in and that was a that was a teaching that everybody had demons and you know what let, let me just say this sometimes people uh, say something that they believe and they are wrong and you can let it pass because you know it's not my job to correct everybody who comes along especially when i have no uh, uh, authority when I have no pastoral authority you know if someone says something that doesn't affect the faith of other people it's just him I will keep quiet well that's just me you might not agree with me but what I do is this if someone says something that I see is perverting the faith of other people then I will say something but if it's just a little quirk of his own and he believes that and 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 it's harmless you know some things are harmless some people have a little quirk of their own and they believe that, but it's not harming everybody else. Then if I have a relationship with him where I can correct him, I can, I can tell him. But if I don't have a relationship with him, I would just normally not say anything. I would just go aside, pray for him and let the Lord speak to him and deal with him. Because see, correction, proper correction can only be brought in the context of relationship. If you don't have a relationship with somebody, uh, they will not listen to you. Or even if you don't have a relationship, if they look up to you uh, as, a, as a, you know, as somebody who speaks into their life. Like I have people who I have relationship with. If they something say something, I can correct them. But there's other people who are not my friends. I'm not in relationship with them, but they look up to me and they respect me. And if and I know that if I say something, they take that to heart. There I can also bring correction. But so, but if 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 somebody um, comes with a teaching that's, you know, I mean, it's just his own, it's a little thing, then I will let it pass unless it is something that is harming and perverting the faith of others. But when people begin to teach something as a doctrine, that they bring a false teaching and include it uh, and, and they add it to the doctrines of the church. So what was happening in Sweden, it wasn't just that a brother came along who believed everybody had demons, but what they were doing, they were basically uh, uh, making that a part of foundational Christian faith, that everybody had demons and, and they had scriptures proving that everybody had demons and, and everybody needed deliverance. And if they didn't get deliverance, they would be with demons all their lives. And, and so that it, es it was escalated to the point that it became a part uh, of the core beliefs of those people that people believe, you know, I believe the Bible, I believe Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that um, there is healing at the atonement and I believe everybody has demons. You know, it was like it was escalated to the place where it became a major thing. So whenever a false doctrine comes and becomes a major, major thing, that you have to believe in it. And if you don't believe it, something is wrong with you. That is when it becomes, it gets incorporated into doctrine. And when that happens, the teachers have to step forward and, and teach, bring back sound doctrine and speak up and say, no, this is wrong. So <laughs> that is, 
<coughs> what Paul was saying to Timothy. He says, stay in Ephesus that you tell these people not to teach any other doctrine than the apostles' doctrine. Then it says, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. That means don't listen to stories. Fables is stories and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. In other words, anything that is divisive, that, that is divisive in the church, rather than build people up in faith, you shouldn't give it a room. Then he says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith. So these are the three things that God wants to see in us. A pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. He says, from which some having strayed, so people have turned away, turned away, turned away from good conscience, sincere faith and pure hearts and they've turned aside to empty talk. It says, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. And these are people who, who, who fancy themselves to be teachers, but they don't really know what they are talking about. And, and they don't fully understand the things that they are talking about. This, this is dangerous when people want to be teachers, but they, uh, you know, they don't know what they are talking about. It, this is just like people who claim to be prophets, but they are not real prophets, you know. So anyway, in, in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 11, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now this is, again, Paul writing to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he says, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying, that in the last days uh, there are people who will depart from the faith, and what does it mean to depart from the faith? It means they will give heed to deceiving spirits. That means there will be there will be two things that's going to happen. Firstly, they will be they will listen to evil spirits who will deceive them. And then, second thing is doctrines of demons. So there's two kinds of things that brings deception. Firstly, is evil spirits. And evil spirits can manifest themselves something sometimes through spiritual manifestations. People will say, oh, I have a dream. I had a dream and, and the Holy Spirit said this. And, uh, and, uh, and the only sure way to test whether a dream or a vision or a voice was of the Holy Spirit or not is to hold it up against the word. If it is in line with the word of God, then it's okay. If it's not in line with the word of God and it has no uh, uh, no confirmation in the word of God, well, then that's a deceiving spirit. It's actually very easy to find out. Uh, you don't have to feel anything because you, you, some people say, oh, I feel this is right. No, it's not about feeling. It, it is about whether it lines up with the scripture or not. That's, that's the way you check it. So, some, so there are deceiving spirits. That means that are evil spirits that will come in and deceive people through false dreams, visions, manifestations, whatever, you know, outlandish manifestations. Sometimes people do groovy things in meetings and, and, and instead of uh, checking whether this thing is in line with the word of God, they will say, oh, this is a new thing that the Lord is doing. It's not a new thing. If it's not in the Bible, it's not a new thing. It's nothing. Just ignore it. So you have deceiving spirits 
and you have doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons, so uh, there's spiritual manifestations which are deceptive, then there's doctrines of demons which are not spiritual manifestations, but which are teachings that come from the devil and, and they, which don't line up with the scripture. If anyone teaches something that does not line up with the scripture, it's a doctrine of demons. So, so it says that there are many people in the last days who are going to run after deceiving spirits and who are going to run after doctrines of demons and we have seen it these days. Then it says speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. Then he gives examples. He said forbidding to marry. Uh, that means they preach celibacy. They preach celibacy. They tell people not to marry and commanding to abstain from foods with God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Uh, and this is the another way. I mean, firstly, is telling people you have to live, uh, you know, as a celibate. You cannot marry. That's that's a doctrine of demon, according to the scripture. And the other one is telling them you can't eat certain things. And that's 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 also wrong. I mean, it says clearly these are two examples of things that telling people not to marry and telling people you can't eat this, you can't eat that. Now, we might think that's almost funny, you know, telling people don't eat this, don't eat that because it's wrong. It's not pleasing to God. But the Bible says that is deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And now, but <coughs> the interesting thing is that these Two examples uh, Paul is giving from deceptions that were at that time. These days we have other deceptions, maybe not about celibacy, maybe not about eating foods, but there's lots of, I mean, other deceptions going around. Uh, so remember this, that anytime anyone tells you something which is not in the Bible, uh, it it is not right. You should, I mean, I personally refuse to obey any man-made rules that people have made up that have nothing to do with the Bible. If someone tells me something, I will say, brother, that's great, but show me chapter and verse. Show me scriptures. If he, uh, if he has scriptures, I will submit to it. I will believe it. But if he doesn't have scriptures, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't obey that because once you begin to believe things that are not in the Bible, you're opening a, opening a Pandora's box. Tomorrow somebody else will come up with something else which is not in the Bible and you'll have to believe that too. And soon you have made a practice of believing things that are not in the Bible that are based on other people's revelations and we cannot live our lives that way. Everything had be, has to be tested by the word of God. Anyway, then he says, verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine you have carefully followed. But he said, but reject profane and old wives' tales and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable of all things, having promise of the life which now in is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. And to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who's the savior of all men, especially of those who believe these things command and teach. So if you're a teacher of the word of God, you have to teach and preach people because you see, as preachers, as ministers of, of the gospel, it is a part of our task to keep people safe, to warn them, to admonish them, to encourage them, and, 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 and to maintain the sound doctrines 
of the church, you know, of the word of God, that which the apostles preached, that we see in the book of Acts, that which we see in the gospel, we have to defend the gospel. We have to stand up for the truth, the veracity of the word of God. So that is very, very important because nowadays, especially there's so many waves, you know, there's a wave of nationalism in the church. We see, you know, uh, 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 like politics has become a part of the Christian faith. Nationalism has become a part of the Christian faith. And a lot of other influences from the world have come in and become the, you know, part of the Christian faith. But we have to keep our doctrine, what we believe, pure and say, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible doesn't say. And we, we, we follow what the Bible teaches. Amen. So, so we have to command and to teach these things. Now, lastly, I want to end with this. Uh, uh, you know, of these five ministry gifts uh, that I've talked about, apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, three are to the church alone. That is the prophet, the pastor, and the teacher. They are to the church. And two of the ministry gifts, that is the apostle and the evangelist, they are both to the church and to the world. So three of the ministry gifts, uh, the, the, the prophet, the pastor and the teacher are exclusively to the church, but the other two apostles and evangelists are both to the church and to the world. So remember that. With that in mind, we have to remember that the last commandment, commandment that the Lord Jesus gave to the church is what we call the Great Commission. <clears throat> I'm sorry, which is going out into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said to them, go into all the world and publish openly the good news to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents and, and even if they... Uh, drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And they went and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and miracles that closely accompanied it. So be it. Amen. In the light of this, we must highlight pioneer ministries these days, breaking ground for the gospel among the unreached. So we must understand the meaning of biblical apostles and biblical evangelists. Now, let's stop a while at the biblical evangelists. Biblical evangelists have the simplest messages of all. Message of all. Actually, uh, if the evangelist has only one message, one message, and that is Jesus Christ crucified and risen. That is the message of the evangelist. He preaches Christ. That is the only message he has. But that message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen is the most powerful and most important message of all because that is the message that God confirms with signs following. Listen to me again. What I'm saying, there's many messages in the Bible, but that one simple message that Jesus Christ is crucified and is risen from the dead is the most important and it is the most powerful message of all because it brings salvation to all mankind and, uh, and, and God confirms this message with signs following. In fact, this message 
of Jesus Christ crucified and risen, this salvation message is so important that God has put one of the five ministry gifts as its sole duty to preach this message only. This message of salvation about Christ crucified and risen is so important. It is so crucial that God has raised up one ministry gift, that is the gift of the evangelist, around this one message alone to preach this one message. And so it is the most important message of all. So that's why it is important. Uh, and Hebrews 2 verses 1 to 4 says, Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. So the eternal destiny of entire mankind rests upon the message of the evangelist. That, that, message of the evangelist is the spearhead of the gospel and the eternal destiny of all mankind, whether people are going to go to heaven or to hell, it rests upon that one message, the message of salvation. And that is why Paul said to Timothy, Timothy was not an evangelist. He says, do the work of an evangelist. And with those words, I want to encourage all of you, whether you are called to be uh, in one of the fivefold ministry gifts, or whether you're not called to be in one of the fivefold ministry gifts, but God has called you in one of the supportive ministries, remember, no matter how God has called you to serve Him, the most important message of all is the message of Christ crucified and risen. It is the message of salvation so that people are saved. And to win a soul for Jesus here on this earth is the greatest and the most important thing that you can ever do in this life. And may the Lord use you mightily for his glory and in whatever capacity he has called you to serve him, may he give you many souls to be one for our Lord Jesus. And with this, we end this service and we will, uh, with this, this subject, and tomorrow we will start our next subject. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, <coughs> I pray for my brothers and sisters. Use them mightily for your glory. Jesus, be glorified in all things. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you. Bless every home. Bless every family. Meet every need they have. Let the anointing of your Holy Spirit, let it grow, Father, and be, and let them be stronger in your power more than ever before in the name of Jesus. Well, God bless you and we will see you again.